So last week, we studied 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. We're doing a new sermon series in the book of 1 Peter. And we saw in this first section that Peter is calling us to join him in blessing God, worshiping God, for giving us living hope in Jesus Christ. What that means is that not only when we put our trust in Jesus are we forgiven for our sins, which is amazing truth, but also God promises that we have a living hope in Jesus, that forever we will have the joy of beholding Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus Christ, loving Jesus Christ, worshiping Jesus Christ. That hope is real. It is certain. It is secure. It will save your soul. And it will satisfy your heart forever. That's what we saw last week. It's living hope. Now here's the question I want to ask you, each of you. When it comes to the topic of hope, where are you at? What's going on with you when it comes to hope? And as I thought about this, each of us comes under one of three categories. Some of you, and, and our hearts go out to you, you are this morning without hope. You are feeling hopeless today. You have been disappointed by so many hopes. You've had so many promises broken. You've had so many people let you down. You've been disappointed again and again and again, and you've come to the place where you think there is no hope. There's nothing that can give me hope. And this morning you find that you are without hope. There's good news for you this morning in the Bible. Others of you this morning, if you're honest, you'd say, or God would say, you have the wrong hope. You may not say that yet. I'm praying you'll say that by the end of our time this morning. But God would say you have the wrong hope because you're putting your hope in something besides Jesus Christ. Maybe your hope is in your career or retirement dreams, this picture of what that's going to look like. Maybe your hope is in a particular relationship or an upcoming vacation. But none of those hopes are real. None of those hopes are lasting. None of those hopes are satisfying. None of those hopes will save your soul from God's judgment. None of those hopes will satisfy you now and forever. You're hoping in the wrong thing. So some of you are without hope. Some of you are having the wrong hope. Others of you, the rest of you, have, have the right hope, but we all need to hope in him more. Okay? You have the right hope. You've seen that Jesus Christ is your hope. You've seen that you can be forgiven for all your sins by trusting his death on the cross. You've seen that the Bible teaches that at the end of history, Jesus is going to be revealed in all of his glory, and seeing him face to face will fill your heart with joy, ever-increasing joy, everlasting joy, never-fading joy, forever. And you've put your hope there, but as real as that is, you're not hoping in Jesus, in Jesus enough, right? There's other things that can blind you to hope in Jesus during the week. There's other hopes that can distract you from Jesus during the week. There's other hopes that can pull you away. You feel the sin in your heart pulling you away to hope in other things, right? It's the reality of the Christian life. So 
even those of you who are hoping in Jesus Christ need to hope in him more. So those who are without hope need help this morning. Those who are hoping in the wrong thing need help this morning. And those who are hoping in Jesus, we all need help this morning. And the good news is that God's word has the power to do exactly what each of us need when it comes to the issue of hope this morning. God's word has the power. God's word changes hearts. This isn't just a book. This isn't just words on a page. The Holy Spirit uses these words to change our hearts. So if you are hopeless this morning, God's word can show you that yes, you've been disappointed hundreds of times, but Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. God is faithful to his word. Not only can you be forgiven for all your sins, but you can be absolutely certain that you will have the joy of beholding Jesus forever. So your future as you look ahead to it is certain, secure, forgiveness, God's love, ever-increasing joy, unending, forever. You can leave here this morning, we pray, having turned to Jesus and full of hope in him, a hope like you've never known before. Those of you who have the wrong hope, God's word can convict you this morning. What have I been doing? What am I thinking? That hope is not going to satisfy me. That hope is not going to last. God's word this morning can show you how much infinitely superior the hope of beholding Jesus is to anything else that you've hoping, you're hoping in. So that you turn to Jesus, you're completely forgiven for your sins, and you are filled with a hope like you've never tasted before. That's what God's word can do. And then those who are hoping in Jesus Christ but not enough, God can help you see once again how glorious Jesus is. The Holy Spirit can use that to convict you of, why are you hoping in this? Why is your hope set in this? Why is your hope set in this? Set your hope back on Jesus Christ. Fully hope in him. You'll leave here stronger in hope than when you walked in. That's what we're asking God to do this morning. So let's turn to 1 Peter. We're going to be studying just four verses this morning, although we're going to review the previous verses, focusing on verses 10 through 13. And I do want to review. Let's go all the way back to review what happens from starting in verse 1. Here's what we covered last week. We got some arcs up on the page. There we go. So in verses 1 and 2, Peter introduces himself to his readers. And then at the beginning of verse 3, verse 3a we call it, Peter calls his readers to join him in blessing God, worshiping God, for giving them, calling them to, causing them to be born again to a living hope, the living hope of Jesus Christ. And then Peter continues that same theme in verses 10 through 13. 3a, Peter calls us to join him in blessing and worshiping God for the living hope. 3b through 9, Peter gives seven reasons we're going to see. We're going to review that a little bit later. Reasons why we should worship and praise God for this living hope. And then Peter continues that theme of reasons for why in verses 10 through 13. So let's read verses 10 through 13 now. And, and look for clues that show us what the main point is. Remember, here's clues. Any command is a main point, so keep your eyes open for a command. And the word therefore can also show a main point because it shows a conclusion is coming. So let's read through verses 10 through 13 and see if we can notice clues that Peter gives to show us his main point in these verses. Verse 10. Concerning this salvation. Now he's talking about the same topic he's been covering in the previous verses. This is our final salvation. We've been saved here, forgiven for our sins, but we don't yet have our final salvation when we will see Jesus face to face and enjoy that living hope forever. 
So concerning this salvation, final salvation is living hope, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in them, was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them, these Old Testament prophets, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So prophets talked about this living hope. Preachers have talked about this living hope. The angels in heaven are longing to see the fulfillment of this living hope. So therefore, set your hope fully on this living hope. So did you see what the main point of these verses are? It's in verse 10. It's in verse 13. Let's read it again. Therefore, it's the conclusion from the previous verses, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope. There's the command. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's dig into what this command means by asking this first question. What is this revelation of Jesus Christ? What is Peter talking about? We're supposed to set our hope fully on the grace that will come at this revelation of Jesus Christ. What is this revelation of Jesus Christ? And I found a crucial clue to explain that phrase in this same book, chapter 5, verse 1. Look what Peter writes. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker, and I get this next phrase, in the glory that is going to be revealed. So at the revelation of Jesus Christ, what's going to be revealed is glory. God's glory in Christ. Majesty, glory, beauty, splendor, awesomeness. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, what's revealed is glory at the end of history. Now let me explain how this works. God is spirit, taught all through the Bible. And that's why there's many places in the Bible where we read that God is invisible because God is spirit, not matter. You can't see him in one particular place. But God wants us to see his glory. That's one of the reasons he called Jesus, who was fully God, God the Son, to take on human flesh so that he was both fully God and fully man, so that we could see the glory of God shining through Jesus. Right? You know, John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So God the Father's glory shining through Jesus, who has become not just fully God, but now also fully man. We can see his glory shining. Uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And I just looked up this morning in the book of Revelation, God's glory is going to be the light of heaven, and Jesus is the lamp through which that glory shines. So God had Jesus become incarnate. One of the reasons is so that we could see Jesus' glory, see God's glory shining fully through Jesus. But now we have a problem, and that is our sin blinds us to Jesus' glory. You remember those days, you, you could have, before you were saved, you could open up the Bible and read about Jesus and like yawn, boredom, like what's on TV, this isn't interesting. Remember those days? And then God saved you. And God broke the power of sin and he healed your spiritual eyes. And now when you hear about Jesus, you read about Jesus, you sing about Jesus, your heart is stirred. Glory. You're seeing glory. You've been saved. You were bored by Jesus' glory. Now you see you are thrilled and captured by Jesus' glory. But as much as we see Jesus' glory now, we are only seeing his glory through a mirror dimly because we still have indwelling sin in us, which does dim our vision of Jesus' glory. But at the end of history, when Jesus returns, all of our sin will be taken away. We will be able to see no more through a mirror dimly. We'll be able to see Jesus face to face. That's what will happen at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You will see Jesus face to face. This is not just words. This is reality. This is your future. You are going to stand before Jesus and see him face to face. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ that Peter talks about in chapter 1, verse 13. Now, I want you just to stop for a moment. Let's, let's linger here. Imagine what it's going to be like on that day. This is a good thing to do. What's it going to be like to see Jesus face to face? Imagine seeing the face of him who has been with the Father and the Spirit from all eternity in the joy of the Trinity with no beginning, seeing his face. Imagine that. Imagine seeing the one, the face of the one through whom everything has been created. Everything. And for whom everything has been created. Seeing his face. Imagine seeing the face of the one who, while he was fully God, humbled himself to become fully man. He was born as a baby, like we celebrated Christmas. He never stopped being God, but he took on human weaknesses and limitations. And he did that to save us. And you're going to see his face. That humility, that love, that glory. Imagine seeing the face of the one who healed blind Bartimaeus with a word. Who, when he was in a boat, and a storm broke out in the Sea of Galilee, a storm that was so strong that veteran, hardened fishermen panicked. And he calmed that storm with a word. 
You're going to see him. The one who called out the religious leaders on their hypocrisy. The one who taught like no one has ever taught. You're going to see him. Imagine what it's going to be like. Imagine seeing the face of the one who went, went to the cross. Didn't have to go. Could have called for a legion of angels. Could have been delivered from that. He chose to go toward the cross. And who not only suffered the, the beating and the scourging and the horrifying physical torture of hanging on the cross for hours, but infinitely worse was punished with God's wrath for the sins of all those who would trust him. And you're going to see him and see his face. You're going to see that compassion and that mercy and that strength and that zeal for God's glory. You're going to see him face to face. And then imagine seeing the face of the one who rose from the dead. The one who conquered sin. Who conquered Satan. Who conquered death. Victorious. The conquering king who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and you're going to see him. You're going to be there face to face with him. The, the majesty, the beauty, the strength, the love, the delight in seeing you, all of this is going to make your heart break Fill, delight, you will fall on your face in worship. You will stand and dance before the Lord with all your might. You're going to see him face to face. This isn't just words. This is real. This is what you are going to experience, seeing Jesus face to face. Now, with that in mind, let's read verse 13 again of chapter 1. See if this starts to make a more full picture of what's going on here. Therefore, Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So are we clear on what the revelation of Jesus Christ is? The glory of God shining through Jesus, no more through a mirror dimly, face to face. And when that happens, Peter says, you'll receive grace. We set our hope fully on the Grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does this grace mean? Well, the main point is the joy of beholding Jesus. He is the focal point of heaven. But there's other aspects of this grace. You're going to get a resurrection body. We sang about that this morning, right? Brand new body. No more sickness. No more weakness. Whatever, whatever ails you will be gone. Brand new resurrection body. Never to die. You will live forever. No more trials. Never again will you know sorrow or mourning or pain. No more sin. Praise God. The, the pride will be gone. The greed will be gone. The, the lust will be gone. The jealousies will be gone. You'll be free to behold Jesus face to face, filled with joy. So all those are other graces, but the main point of heaven is seeing Jesus. Sometimes we can be distracted by other things and kind of talk about those as if those are the main thing. Those are not the main thing. It's going to be an amazing thing to see loved ones who've trusted Jesus, who've gone before you. Won't that be an amazing thing? I'm going to see my grandfather, okay? Um, my grandmother. 
It's going to be amazing. But listen, when you see each other, it'll be men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time just together. So we're going to want to say, let's look at Jesus. Let's, let's go worship Jesus. Look, look at, see, Jesus is the focal point of everything in heaven. So when we set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, we're setting our hope fully on the joy of Jesus, beholding God's glory in the face of Christ. Jesus is the focal point of heaven, and the Father set it up that way, and he loves it. He says, that's my son. Praise him. Glory. The Father's glory shining through him. That's the focal point of, of heaven. So again, let this sink in. Because you're trusting Jesus, you have a living hope in Jesus Christ. At the end of history, he'll be revealed in all of his glory, and you will see him face to face. This is real. This is history. This is truth. It's going to happen. You will be there. He will be there. Fellow believers will be there. Now, notice that Peter calls us to set our hope fully on this grace. Fully. It's the Greek word teleos. It's a very strong word. What does that mean? What does it mean to set your hope fully on something? Let's try to think of an example. Like, what would it mean if you set your hope fully on like becoming, say, a, an Olympic athlete? We all love the Olympics, and they've got to devote themselves. So what if you set your hope on being an Olympic athlete, making it to the Olympics? What if you'd set your hope on that? What would that mean for you? It would mean that your passion is singular, becoming an Olympic athlete. That's your vision. That's your dream. That's your goal, right? Everything else you do would be aligned with that, becoming an Olympic athlete. Everything else you do, you'd weed out of your life anything that would draw you away from that. You put into your life everything that will encourage that. That's your aim, your hope, your dream, your goal. You'd get up out of bed in the morning thinking about Olympic athlete. You'd be sustained through the day thinking, becoming an Olympic athlete. You'd go to sleep at night thinking, I'm going to become an Olympic athlete. Get up in the morning, next thing. So that's what it means to set your hope fully on becoming an Olympic athlete, right? So let's just switch that over then to what it means to setting our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It means that seeing Jesus face to face is your dream. It's your hope. It's your vision. It's your goal. You weed out of your life anything that would detract from that or distract from that. And you full, fill in with your, to your life everything that will increase that. doesn't mean you change your job. God needs all the different jobs here, but you, you're working for Jesus' glory. I'm here to serve Jesus. I'm here to shine with Jesus, to share about Jesus. You're working for the glory of Jesus. So everything in your life is oriented towards Jesus. You'd be waking up in the morning, the joy of Jesus forever, that's going to be mine. You'd be sustained through the day, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. Go to sleep at night saying, Jesus, thank you. I'm going to see you face to face one day. That's what it would mean to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're honest, we'll admit that that's not easy to do, right? It is war to do that. Because we all have remaining sin in us. Even though you've been saved and this power of sin's been broken, sin has not been removed. And this last week, I have felt my heart 
pulling me towards other hopes. Look at this little, little tantalizing thing. Or look at this interesting little thing here, right? Hello, anybody else? Your, your, your sin is pulling you towards other things. So it's not hard, it's not easy to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is hard to do. So how can we do it? And Peter tells us how in verse 13. He gives us two very important statements. Notice what he says. How can we obey this command? Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the way to obey this command is by preparing your mind for action and by being sober-minded. Now let's take those one at a time. What does it mean to prepare your mind for action? This is really an amazing Greek word. Literally, it's girding up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Okay, it's an Old Testament statement, girding up your loins, because in the Middle East, here we are, Old Testament time period, uh, men wore long robes. And if you were going to do any kind of like work or walk fast to get somewhere or even run or like fight in a war, you'd, you, you, you got to do something with your robes. So you'd, you'd somehow wrap your robes up around, tie them around your waist so that, you know, your legs can move, right? You can work. And so you'd, you'd gird up the loins of your mind. And the picture is um, get your mind ready. Like gird up the robes, get ready to work. Now it's get ready to think. It's time for some thinking. It's time to do some hard thinking. My dad always told me that the hardest work you ever have to do is to think. And that is true. Okay, get ready to do some hard, clear, focused thinking. That's what Peter's saying. To put your hope fully in Christ, you're going to need to think. Girding up the loins of your mind, preparing your minds for action, and then you're also going to need to be sober-minded. Which means be alert, be focused, don't let anything in the world, alcohol, entertainment, just gossip, don't let anything dull your senses, your spiritual senses to what reality is really all about. Keep focused on what it's about. Realize that there's things that can distract you. There's things that can lull you into spiritual sleep, right? I would guess in a group this size, some of you are spiritually sleeping, or you have been recently. And this morning, God wants to give you a like the alarm clock, wake up call, think about what's going on, focus in, take this seriously, your eternity's at stake, here we go. So are you ready? Thinking caps on, whatever your teacher used to tell you, that was my elementary school teacher, get your thinking caps on, okay, ready for some hard thinking? That's how we obey this. Now the next question is, what should we think about? What should we think about? And the answer is in the word therefore, beginning of verse 13. That word therefore, so that this command is built on reasons given in the previous verses, going all the way back to verse 3b. Okay? And it's by thinking clearly about these reasons that we'll be motivated to set our hope fully on the joy that will be ours when we see Jesus face to face. And these reasons break down into two sections. Here, here's a picture of the arcing, you can see. Two different sections. Remember, the first part of verse 3 is a call to bless and praise God, and then the second half of verse 3 all the way through to verse 9 gives us seven reasons we should bless and praise God for causing us to be born again to a living hope. So that's verses 3b through 9. And then verses 10 through 12 give us three more reasons. 
So 10 reasons all total. So let's do this. I want to start by focusing on 10 through 12, explaining those three reasons. Then we're going to step back and start with the very first and go from 1 to 10, boom, 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 and think, 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 so that God will show us the hopes we're putting our, our hope in that are not real, that are not lasting, so that God will lift Jesus Christ up in our, in our midst this morning as the only real lasting hope so that we will all, I pray, leave here with our hope set fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ready to go? Thinking caps on? All right, here we go. First reason in verses 10 through 12 is because this living hope was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's in verses 10 and 11. Let me read those verses. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace, remember that same word grace is in verse 13. He's talking about this grace, this living hope, final salvation. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them, in them, was indicating when he, the Spirit of Christ, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The Messiah is going to come, the Messiah is going to suffer, and because he suffers, there will be salvation, and there's going to be the, the glory of God shining in Jesus forever. That's the subsequent glories. So the Old Testament prophets prophesied about our living hope. Jeremiah prophesied about our living hope. Isaiah prophesied about our living hope. Hosea prophesied about our living hope. The Old Testament prophets prophesied about our living hope. That's the point of verses 10 and 11. That's the first reason. Second reason. It's because the Holy Spirit has now raised up preachers to tell you about this living hope. That's verse 12. It was revealed to them, these Old Testament prophets, that they were not serving themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, that's a long sentence there, but the point is that God has raised up preachers to announce to you this living hope. It's not just the Old Testament prophets. God has raised up preachers to talk about this living hope. So that includes the apostles. They preached about this. That includes Thomas, who went down to India to preach about this living hope, right? All the different missionaries who went all different places to preach this living hope. Preachers today who are preaching this living hope in your home country, who are preaching here in the UAE. It's what's, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to you this living hope today. The living hope is being preached at ECC this morning, at New Life Church, at Cornerstone Church, at, at uh, all the different churches that are preaching the scriptures. So God has raised up preachers, in addition to Old Testament prophets, to preach. Tell us about this living hope. That's the second reason. Third reason in verses 10 through 12. I love this one. It's because angels long to see Jesus' glory revealed to us. End of verse 12. I'll read the whole verse. It was revealed to them, the Old Testament prophets, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now think about angels for a second. Millions of angels in heaven 
on their faces before God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty. Angels aren't pudgy little cherubs with little plinky harps. Angels are awesome creatures who are nothing compared to God, right? And they're on their faces worshiping God. But angels also, remember, uh, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest? That was angels announcing Jesus' birth to shepherds. Remember the story? Angels announced Jesus' birth. Not only that, angels strengthened Jesus in the wilderness when he was fasting for 40 days. And angels strengthened Jesus when he was praying at Gethsemane. Think about that. Angels rolled away the stone, the stone from the tomb. Think about it. Angels rejoiced in Jesus' resurrection, announced it to the disciples. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, was welcomed into heaven, I'm sure the angels were just on their faces in adoration and worship and praise. The angels are captured with God's glory shining through Jesus. But what the angels have not seen yet is Jesus in all of his glory fully revealed to the church, to his bride, to his people. The angels have not seen that yet, and they long for it. They long for it. As much as is going on in heaven, they are like longing for that day. They're looking over the edge of heaven. When's this going to happen? We long for this to happen. When's it going to take place? The angels long for it. And so do you see what Peter's done in verses 10 through 12? He has said, Old Testament prophets announced this living hope. Preachers sent by the Holy Spirit have announced this living hope. The angels are all focused on seeing this living hope. This living hope is a big deal. It is a very big deal. It is the biggest deal. It is the only deal. It's what all of history is moving towards. I mean, think about it. All of history is moving in this direction. Some of you were, were really smart students when you were in school. Others of you, maybe not as much. But some of you are really smart, and you knew that like, if there was a final that your whole grade depended upon, and that this was a class that you had to pass in order to get into wherever you were going, would you study for that final if you were a smart student? <clears throat> Let me try that again. Would you study hard for that final if you were a smart student? Would you study a lot for that final? Would you focus your studying on that final? Because everything depends upon that final. If this is where all of history is going, if this is the goal of all of the universe, if this is what world history has been all about, and you're thinking hard, and you're thinking carefully, then you're going to say, I want to hope fully in this, seeing Jesus' glory forever. See how that works? Now, let's do this. Let's review the seven reasons from verse 3b through 9, and these three, verses, three reasons from verses 10 through 12, with our thinking caps on, and let's see what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. I'm praying that as we do this review now, some of you who walked in here without hope will have hope kindled in your heart. Maybe this is true. Maybe there is something worth living for. Maybe there is joy for me in the future. Oh, I tell you. Yes, there is. In spades, okay? Others of you, God might use these reasons to help you see why am I putting my hope in that? It's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy me. Look at Jesus. 
And then the rest of you who are already trusting Jesus, I hope you'll see what hopes you're being distracted by so that you will see Jesus' glory all the more and put your hope in him all the more. Are we ready? Okay, let's go. First reason, all the way back to verse 3b, because God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Because Jesus paid for sin on the cross. If you trust Jesus, if you turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven and you are guaranteed living hope, full of joy, never-ending joy, everlasting joy, ever-increasing joy in Jesus' presence forever. God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the cross of Christ. It's there. Second reason. Because this hope will never disappoint you. Ever. That's verse 4. That is because God's glory is infinite you will never reach the end of your joy in beholding his glory in Christ. As I said last week, like 10 billion years into eternity, you'll still be like, whoa, you are glorious. Look at that. And it'll just keep on going. So never disappoint you. Third, because God guards you for this hope through faith. That's in verse 5. Because you're trusting Jesus now, you can be completely assured he will keep you on the road to heaven all the way to the end. He will not let anything take you off the road to heaven and put you on the road to hell. He won't even let you take you off the road to heaven and put you on the road to hell. He will change your heart and bring you back. He's promised to do that. The good work he started, he will continue, which means you will be in heaven. There's no question about it because you're trusting Jesus now. You'll be there. Fourth reason, because this hope gives us joy even during trials. That's verse 6. This joy of Jesus is so beautiful. His glory is so heart-satisfying that through the deepest waters you can go through in this life, you will be able to, while you're grieving, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and it will sustain you and comfort you and strengthen you. This hope is that real. It's that beautiful It'll sustain you through the deepest waters of trials. Fifth, because this hope gives our trials a glorious purpose. For those who trust Christ, no trial is meaningless. No trial is random. No trial is purposeless. Every trial has a purpose to refine our faith even more, which means we'll have even more joy forever in heaven. So every trial has the beautiful purpose of giving you more joy in heaven beholding Christ's glory. Seventh, I'm sorry, sixth, because this hope gives us a taste of heaven's joys now. Remember 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter said he's a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. God gives us tastes of Jesus' glory now. When you set your heart to pray, to open up the scriptures and read, to worship, to seek his face, that could be here with God's people. That could be on your own on a Thursday morning or a Wednesday night. But when you set your heart to seek God's face, there will be times when he will give you a taste of Jesus' glory, a taste of heaven's joy. Just like, like, a, like an appetizer. Oh, that's good. That's, that's real. That's, like, that's better than anything else I've got. Thank you. God will do that for you. That's the sixth reason, seventh reason. Because this hope involves the salvation of your soul. There's nothing more important than the salvation of your soul. You can be forgiven for all your sins and saved from facing God's judgment through putting your hope in Jesus. Eighth, because this living hope was prophesied for us in the Old Testament, because prophets talked about this living hope. Ninth, because the Holy Spirit has raised up 
preachers to preach about this living hope. And then 10th, because the angels long to see Jesus' glory revealed to us. So Old Testament prophets talked about this living hope. Preachers talk about this living hope that God has raised up. The angels long to see this living hope. So all of this, these 10 reasons joined together to help us see that what everything is about in your life, what everything is about in world history, what everything is about in the universe is the display of God's glory in Christ at the end of history. That's what everything is about. No other hope is lasting. No other hope will satisfy you. No other hope will save you from God's judgment. Only this living hope of putting your hope in Jesus God's glory shining through Jesus forever as your all-satisfying treasure. That's what God is calling you to do this morning. That's what he's urging you to do this morning. And so we've seen the ten reasons. So the therefore is therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope, Grace Church. Set your hope fully, fully, on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you walked in here this morning without any hope, look at the hope you can have in Jesus Christ. Yes, other hopes have disappointed you. And you know what? Every other hope will disappoint you, ultimately. But Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. So if you walked in here without hope, see the hope that can be yours in Jesus Christ and turn to him and trust him. You'll be forgiven for all of your sins and you'll be given a living hope, the living hope, joy forever in the presence of God through Jesus. If you're hoping in the wrong things, turn to the hope you can have in Christ. Again, things you're hoping in aren't going to last They're not going to satisfy you. They're not real. They won't save you from God's judgment. But Jesus Christ is real. He is all-satisfying. And he will save you from God's judgment. So turn from your sin. Turn from your false hopes. Put your hope fully in the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you're already hoping in Jesus, I'm so glad but hope in him more. None of us are hoping in him enough. Things that distract us, things that pull us away. So think, what other hopes distract you? What other hopes blind you to the hope you have in Jesus Christ? Can any of those hopes, I mean, just think about this, can any of those hopes compete with the living hope of being forgiven for all your sins and having your heart filled with the joy of knowing God's glory in an ever-increasing way forever? Can any other hope possibly compete with that? It's no contest. They just shrivel up and slink away in shame. Those are other, other hopes. They cannot compete. They do not compare. Jesus Christ stands forth as the hope that you're supposed to put all your hope in. He's the one. You will never be disappointed by putting your hope fully in him. Never can you hope in him too much. Hope in him with everything you've got. That's what God's calling you to do this morning and the rest of your life. Now let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Then we're going to worship. I'll pray. 
Father, I ask that you would take your word now, these ten reasons we've seen, the beauty of Christ, his death on the cross, which pays for sin, his resurrection, your promise that we will have him as our all-satisfying treasure forever, face to face. God, I pray that you would take those truths and those who've walked in here this morning without hope would right now taste hope. That you would change their hearts, give them faith, draw them to Christ, save them, forgive them, give them a taste of heaven right now, I pray in Jesus' name, that, that many today would be saved and filled with the hope of Christ. Do that, Lord, I pray. Lord, those who have been having the wrong hopes, that they would see the wrong hopes for the lies that they are, the illusions that they are, and that they would see Jesus as the truth, the hope, the only true, lasting, satisfying hope, and that they would turn from their sin, be forgiven through Christ, and set their hope fully on on Jesus forever. I pray that you'd help them do that. And Lord, for those of us who've walked in here this morning hoping in Christ, but not fully, would you right now work in our hearts so we take our hope out of those other things and set our hopes all the more fully upon you, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our treasure. We want to hope fully in you. In Jesus' name, amen.